And it's Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our Bible study. We have a couple of text messages. Let me see what we've got here um, on our earlier story about the Victorian government. Uh, the Victorian government is trying their best to upset Christians and see how much they can push before it comes back to bite them. And it will. Mm. Well, I don't know. Will it? Or will Christians just sort of roll over and take it? We will have to see what happens in Victoria. Uh, they're actually challenging God. Who do you think will win? In the, who do I think will win in the end? Um, I'll tell you who I think will win in the end. I'm not sure whether it's going to be Daniel Andrews. I'm not sure whether it's going to be uh, people of faith in Victoria. But I do know that God will win in the end. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, another text message. I believe that the Knights of Columbus are also in charge of altering church history. Um, that's an interesting observation. I'm not familiar with that. Rewriting of history is something that is pretty much a constant process. Yeah, I was going to say they're not the only ones. Yeah, there's it's a big it's a big club. Lots of people have been invited. Okay, so this this, this person club. he says my father was invited to join. Oh, interesting. Not sure if he accepted. He passed away many years ago. Yeah, so there you go. It's a bit of a uh, bit of personal history coming through there. So um, it's good to have uh, some messages coming through. If you've got if you've got uh, thoughts that you would like to share on anything we've talked about so far, uh, whether it be the history piece or whether it be the uh, news segments that we talked about or whether it is the Bible study we're about to have, you know, we love to hear from you. We love you guys. Or if you want to send in a box of Earl Grey tea. In, in <laughs> now that we know the Eliza, history of Earl Grey. Of Earl Grey, um, you, can, you can do that as well. Too. <laughs> <laughs> now that we know where that came from. Okay, so uh, before we get into our Bible study... We do need to mention it is election day in the United States. Yeah. Which is almost bigger than election day in Australia. In Australia. Yeah, so the election day in the United States is bigger than election day in Australia. In that's a, what you're in, saying. In right, Australia. Yeah. So in Australia it's bigger. The <laughs> only thing the only thing that is overshadowing it, of course, is the Melbourne Cup. Ah. Is that today? See, if this had been America, this would never be election day. No. Because there's too many people out there losing too much money. Actually, on though, Melbourne. let me just say that actually is a really smart thought. If you had the cup day, because then no one's at work, so everyone can go vote. But they might, yes. they might be at the racetracks. Probably, is anyone probably, allowed? Hold on probably, a second. They're probably voting for something other than. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Does Daniel Andrews is he allowing the the cup to go through? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it's minimum oh, minimal wow. minimal number of people, but it's happening. But it's happening. But but we can't go to church. That's right. You know, I don't know. I don't even know who this guy is. I'm, and it just He's makes me really upset. Premier of Victoria. I did see something on YouTube. This guy, he didn't have a lot of teeth, but he was very angry at a guy named Daniel Andrews. And I was like, this guy is mad at this guy. But I didn't. I I kind of stay out of yeah, politics. But this is the media. The media loves to find you know. <laughs> Uh, Interesting characters. Well, in America, we call them rednecks, and I believe they're called bogans here. I, is, yeah. Are we allowed to say bogans on radio? I'm not we sure. We just did. But, okay, sorry. Well, it's I, too late. I am Done. one, so yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm allowed to. You are. You're allowed to. You're allowed oh, to. I've seen this guy. So Liam's just educating um, Blake here. <laughs> okay, I know Australian exactly politics. who this guy is. A lot of people are angry with him, and oh, now yeah. I can see why. Absolutely. Yeah. I, that makes a lot more sense. I didn't understand why so many people were angry, but now I'm like, oh, this makes a lot more sense because he's, he is, he's kind of trying to push the boundaries to see what he can do with what, what he can kind get of away feedback. with. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ooh, that's and, and what's interesting is that okay, so there's two different views on on how, or there's a number of different views on how he should have been dealing with the outbreak of you know COVID that he had in Victoria, and of course you know that can be devastating to the economy and so forth. Um, but that's beside the point. I'm not arguing whether he did the right thing or the wrong thing. I mean. I think we're all very clear that he did the wrong thing when it came to you know managing hotel quarantine. That's obvious. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I've heard I'm, that story I'm, too, I'm yeah. arguing about the I'm arguing about the inconsistencies now that they're coming out of lockdown. If you're going to have lockdown, lock it down. That's right. Do it consistently yeah, and right. lock down the danger points, i.e., pubs and clubs. Right. And if you're but if you're not going to, then don't do it. That's right. You know, just. You gotta. Uh, you can't sit on the fence and just be. That's lukewarm. The Bible talks about that, and you'll get thrown up if you thrown up out of the mouth. If you Anything halfway in between is the most painful place to be, mm-hmm. and is going to be the most painful place for the economy. You've either got to do eradication or you've got to do em- embrace. Why don't you, there's the two models, and there's the only two models that are going to work, and we always seem to find a political solution which is somewhere in between, which gets lots of votes, but it's not actually good for the country. My wife's from Zimbabwe, and they have this saying uh, where you can't have one leg in milk or one leg in sugar. Like, you have to pick one (laughs) or the other. And I'm not sure why you would have your feet in sugar or milk, but the saying makes sense is you got to pick one or the other. And what's happening here, from what it seems like, is in Victoria, they're not picking one or the other, and they're just picking whatever suits them politically um, to push whatever their agenda is. And to fight religion. Right. It's, it's, it's really religion. sad. It That's, is. I, I didn't know it was going on like that. I mean, this is, some, this is making me really feisty. I, I need to do some research after this. All right, let's get into our Bible study. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Yeah. We were talking yesterday about shame and how that shame is crippling to an individual. In mm. fact, you can trace pretty much all of our... You can pretty much trace all of our emotional difficulties and challenges and brokenness to shame. Mm. And we experience shame both for things that we have done and also people experience shame for things that they are not guilty of that have happened to them. People will take that shame on themselves even when they are the victim. Wow. Which can be crippling to an individual and so the question is, okay, how do you deal with shame? Now, the world is going to, you know, you go to a, a worldly counselor and they're going to take you through a whole process of, well, you know, um, you need to basically, if you grab hold of your, your shoelaces and you pull really, really hard on your shoelaces, you will pull yourself up out of shame. <laughs> that's kind of what the self, that, that's self-help. Yeah. That's the definition of self-help. Self help. Now, I don't know whether anybody has ever found that successful. I suspect not, (laughs) because if you are sinking in the mud of the quicksand of shame, it doesn't matter whether you pull on your shoelaces or your hair, or in Blake's case, your beard, (laughs) um, you're not going to get out of the quicksand. No, you're not. I've been in quicksand. And the more I you fight, know how this works. The more, the more it gets uh, sinks you down. That's right, brother. Last time I was in quicksand, it required a lot of kinetic energy from what's called a snatch strap to tow my four-wheel drive out of the quicksand. You can't do it on your own. No. Wow. 
Yeah, West Coast Tasmania. Lots of quicksand. Interesting place over there. Van Van Diemen's Land. Van Diemen's Land. That's it. That's it. We were hearing <laughs> we about learned Van that Di- today. I wish they'd never changed the name. <laughs> it's an interesting name for sure. It is. It is. Little Tasmanian devils down there. That's right. They're like the coolest marsupial on the planet, and we were named after it, and then... They messed it all up. Yeah, <laughs> we ended up with Tasmania, which is kind of... Well, it's... Hey, it's still kind of cool. It's not as boring as South Australia. <laughs> yeah. Western Australia. I mean, these guys... Oh, I like the name Tasmania. Like zero imagination in some of these other states. They need, to, they need to have a referendum and change their names over there. We're sidetracked. Let's go to Romans <laughs> chapter 5, um, and we're going to be reading from verse... Let's just uh, read verse 11. Um and we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about how to deal with shame here uh, when we come back in just a millisecond. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, starting in verse 11. All right. So the Bible says here, uh, reading from the New Living Translation, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit command, a commandment of God, as Adam did, Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. What a great passage right there. Thank you, Blake. Isn't this guy just the most amazing... Reader of Scripture on radio. We need to have you on here more often. That sounded uh, that I love sounded reading fantastic. Scripture. Yeah, I can tell that. I can tell that. Okay, so you've got this, this whole conversation here that Paul is having, and he's talking about Adam, and he's talking about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And we notice that the very first thing that Adam experiences when he sins is shame. Hmm. And shame is what cripples human beings. And so Adam sins there in the Garden of Eden, and suddenly he's like, he realizes he's naked. He wants to clothe himself, you know, because he's experiencing shame. Then the next thing he wants to do is hide because he's experiencing shame. And then the next thing he wants to do is buck pass Mm -hmm. because. 
He's experiencing shame, and it's and it's and it's kind of like Adam is doing absolutely anything and everything that he can, and Eve as well, of course. They're doing everything that they, that they can in their own power to get rid of this overwhelming sense of shame that they are experiencing. And what you see coming through here is not the fear of death or the fear even of God. It's this sense of shame that is crushing them. Mm. And so, you know, and so while they are making clothes and they are hiding themselves and they are, um, you know, making excuses and buck passing, you know, for what has taken place and trying to do anything that they can to wriggle out of their shame. How, how much is, how successful is that for them? How much shame are they losing? Mm, none. <laughs> None whatsoever at all. I find, too, that shame is so intertwined with emotion. Yes. Because the devil, he he takes our emotions and he manipulates them and controls them and tries to uh, send us in a direction that uh, he's like a little puppet master with the strings on our heart. And he shifts his little fingers back and forth so that he can control our emotions because when he can control the emotions... He can control us as people. And it just reminds me, this whole, this whole verse talking about what Jesus has done and is continuing to do for us reminds me of 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, when we have the shame, it's unrighteousness that leads us to that shame and that recognition of unrighteousness, we feel the shame. And I'm just thinking... So many times in my life, and maybe a lot of the listeners can can relate to this, but so many times in my life, I have had to get on my knees and pray for forgiveness. And guess what? I don't feel forgiven, but I'm claiming the promise in the Bible that because I have confessed, I have been forgiven. And so even though I still feel the shame, I still feel the guilt, I still feel inadequate, Christ's promises in the Bible remind me that through Christ's righteousness, I can be made whole, even though I feel broken. Yes, and this is and this is really where the solution is. Mm. You it's can't, in Christ. You can't. That's right. And this is what Paul is 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 highlighting here in this passage when he talks about Adam and Jesus. Mm. Adam shows us the problem. It is the problem that every single one of us have. And then he comes to Jesus. Jesus, you know, Adam starts it. Jesus reverses it. And so Jesus is almost like, you know, the the reverse card in you know. <laughs> it's all heading one direction and it can be all heading downhill for you until Jesus steps in and throws in the reverse card and now it just goes heading back the other direction. Now, of course, you know it's going to come back and bite you from another direction. But, you know, <laughs> let's not take the illustration too far. Jesus is stepping in and hitting reverse on the process of right. sin. You can look for you can look for a solution to your shame in so many different places. You're never going to find it, and we all do. That's we right. all look everywhere, but it's like looking into a cave, a dark cave without a headlamp. <laughs> you're never going to find anything, and you're just going to get more and more lost. Yes, and so often we find that people are driven to addictions. Mm. By a sense of shame, when it when it all boils down, and you actually trace back and back and back, why is this person, you know, becoming addicted? What are they becoming addicted to? Why why is this happening? 
It all goes back to the sense of shame. There is shame somewhere in their life that it becomes a driving force and that shame, you know, that they look to, you know, quieten those voices in their head, whatever that might be, and end up with addictions. It's a, it's a, just a, a, a really, um, a really tragic thing to deal with. But we can thank God that we serve a God who is a God of forgiveness and a God of mercy and a God of grace. And Jesus came to, to reverse that whole, um, yeah, to undo mm. what Adam did. It's, it's such a wonderful thought process that my salvation uh, has nothing to do with my capabilities and everything to do with Christ's abilities. Absolutely. Um, because if it was up to me, I would be lost. Yes. Straight up. Yes. Uh, every day, actually. But because it's not anything to do with me and I can't make myself righteous, I have to believe and it takes a lot of faith for a guy like me. I have to believe that Jesus can make me righteous. And I think Adam is such a great example of this. And I think this is one of the reasons that Paul goes back there to talk about Adam is because when you look at Adam, you're looking at somebody who has only ever sinned once. Mm. So we're talking about the Garden of Eden. Yeah. He's only ever sinned once in his life. You know, how many times have you sinned? Uh, we, we there's not a number for that. <laughs> yeah, not a, okay. But Adam has only, like a ever, he's only ever sinned <laughs> once, once mm. right? Yeah. And having only ever sinned once, not only that, but he is, he is one step from perfection. Mm. So 10 minutes ago, he was perfect. He is wow. uh, perfect physically. He's perfect mentally. He has one slight imperfection when it comes to spirituality. He has a brain of you know enormous capacity, and yet the most perfect human being with one sin can't do anything about it. Mm. He tries. He's hiding. He's making clothes. He's making excuses. He's trying. He is. He is desperately trying to do everything he possibly can to do something about his sin, and he can't. Mm. It's impossible. Tells you something about the nature of sin right there, and it tells you about the, something about the nature of Jesus Christ and His power right there. Only Jesus could save Adam, and of course, we're descended six thousand years into sin and degradation since Adam, and you know carry the scars of that you know all the way down to our day. If Adam couldn't do anything about it, what are we going to do? Yeah, about what it? hope do we have? Yeah, we have no hope whatsoever, except our hope in is Christ. in Christ. That's right, in Christ alone. And when people feel hopeless, then that's always a negative thing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We've got a Bible study. Let's get into our Bible study. We've got great verses to read right here. Uh, Genesis chapter 28. Let's start in verse 10. All right. Genesis 28, starting verse 10. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. Okay, Blake, you've been homeless before. I have. Have you ever been this homeless that you're sleeping on, you're finding it using a stone for a pillow? I have not. I've been homeless three times and I've never used a stone for a pillow. Three separate periods in my life. Yes. (laughs) And not once did I even consider it. Nope. I've lived in some pretty rough circumstances myself and I have never used a stone for a pillow. So you know that this guy (laughs) has reached... Wait for it. 
Rock bottom. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Was, there you go. I, there I you thought go. you were going to do it. I was like, no, he won't do it. But I was like, you know, it's going to do so it. So this it's is proof that you are a father. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's raised rock bottom. You can't get much lower than that. The day before, he was at the top of his game. Oh, yeah, but he was pretty deceitful. Oh, it did. <laughs> But definitely on top of his game. On top of his game as far as deceitfulness goes. But the day before... He had a okay, costume on. The day before... <laughs> with hairy He arm. is the son of one of the wealthiest landowners. Absolutely. He, in the, in the whole... If not the wealthiest landowner, uh, he is going to inherit a, a family business that probably employs a thousand people. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's that's the that's kind true. of yeah. that's that's where he's at. And he is and 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 the day before he has just been confirmed as the heir to the empire of all that. <laughs> and the next day he's sleeping on a rock. It's like the reverse of we always talk about, yeah, you know, he started at the bottom and now he's at the top. He started at the top and now he's at the bottom. The biggest thing that he's done is okay. So his father's old and blind, mm. and you know we have a saying, you know, about you rob a blind duck of its worm. About talking about you know a miserable kind of person. Um, I've never heard yeah, that one. It's a saying. It's a saying that I grew up with. Oh, that's the, they'd, they'd rob a blind duck of its worm, and this <laughs> is the kind of per- you you would not think highly of somebody like that, would you? Yeah, this, it's disgraceful. His it's father. Shameful. His father is old. His father is decrepit. You might say mm. his father is ailing in health. His father has gone blind, and he just uses his father's uh, disabilities to deceive his him, vulnerabilities to steal from his own father. And of course, as a result of that, his brother gets angry. He's like, "Okay, that's it. You're dead." And so he runs for his life. Which you can kind of see. Like, it's like, didn't he predict this? Yeah. You know, what, what did you think would happen when you stole from your father something that your father was going to give to your brother? Mm. Did you expect that your brother would be like, oh, that's fine? <laughs> yeah. I nice mean, he's your brother. Yeah, no. I have a brother. I have an older brother. I know how these things work. <laughs> it's just, you know. Bad move. Yes, and you can think about his relationship with God at this particular point because what he stole from his father was the priesthood. Yeah. Now, the birthright. The, the birthright. Yeah. It wasn't so much about the money. It wasn't so much about the wealth that he was going to receive because he was never going to be poor. It's, yeah. In any way, shape, or form. It's identity. It was identity. Yeah. It's identity theft. And identity theft, I've never had my identity stolen. People tell me that it's the worst thing that can be stolen from you. Wow. And yes. This is the first biblical evidence of identity theft. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It is. And so you can imagine he's running for his life. He's obviously got nothing. You know, if you're you're using a a rock for a pillow, you've got nothing. So imagine the shame that he's experiencing and imagine how he feels in his relationship to God. You would lie down there on that rock and you would think, I can never go back home. Mm. I can never go back to God. All right. Those are the emotional strings that were always strung up by the devil. Yeah. In that context. Okay. 
Let's read the rest of the story. Ready to go? We're starting here in verse 12. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, and to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. Okay, you stop and... Okay. You put yourself in Jacob's shoes and compare when he went to sleep, how he was feeling, and when he wakes up, how he is feeling. (laughs) That's a contrast, isn't it? Yeah, it is, for sure. That's a massive contrast. Now, when God comes and promises Jacob, you know, all these things, he makes some pretty special promises right there. Mm. Does Jacob deserve it? No, not, not at all. Yeah. He deserves the opposite. And so often when we feel that sense of shame, we feel that we don't deserve it. And God comes to us with exactly the same message he came to Jacob with. I am the God of your father Abraham and I have an inheritance for you beyond what you can imagine. That's God's message to us today, right now. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, so now it is time for... Question of the day. (laughs) Oh, I'm supposed to read it. I was so enthralled by that intro, I couldn't control myself. Here we go. Majority of Christians agree that Jesus is coming soon. And I know many who believe that he could come back at any time, even today. But it seems that there are still things that need to be fulfilled before he returns. Is the imminency, imminency of Christ's return biblical? And should we be waiting for Jesus to come in the future or in the present? Yes and no. Oh. That is the correct answer. Controversy. Okay. Yes and no. Okay, so the individual asking this question has pointed out some very valid points. The mark of the beast has not yet been enforced. The seven last plagues have not yet happened. We know that those things will take place before Jesus comes. Mm-hmm. How long will it take for those things to happen? Well, stop and think about this. How long did it take you to lose your freedom when COVID hit? It was that, like, what? That was me snapping my fingers. Two weeks. <laughs> Two weeks and you were in, two weeks you went from like, oh, there's a bad disease in the world, and two weeks later you were in total lockdown, couldn't leave your front driveway without having a valid reason to do so. And so the issue here is, yes, there are events to take place before Jesus uh, comes back, and those events can take place with blinding speed. Yes. And that, you know, we, so, so we, yes, preaching the imminence of the return of Jesus Christ is absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, so could he come today? Once again, the answer is yes and the answer is no. 
You could. Okay, the mark of the beast and the seven last plagues, that'd be a big ask to happen in the next, you know, 24 hours. hours. 12 12 or 24 (laughs) hours. That would be a big ask. But could he come for you? Mm. Because for each one of us as an individual, we don't know when Jesus comes for us. Mm. We don't know whether we're going to be sitting here alive in the next five minutes. Yeah, that's a good point. Nobody knows the future. And because of that, we need to be living with the expectation of the return of Jesus at any moment. So individual timelines are not the same as earth timelines. Exactly. So in individual timelines, Jesus could be here at any moment. Earth timeline, there are a number of events to take place which could take place with just absolutely... You know, warp speed, blinding speed. Yeah, and and we and we know that the the last events of Earth's history will be rapid ones. And, yes. and we don't even like what does that even mean? Like how rapid is rapid? It's very rapid. That's <laughs> so. right. I mean, the Bible talks about in you know Revelation chapter sixteen, Revelation chapter eighteen. It talks about events that take place in the space of half an hour. Mm, that's true. So it can be very very fast. Now we would not take that as being uh, when you look at the original word that that is translated from that is not specifying you know a 30 minute period or a 60 minute period that's specifying a very very short space of time Hmm. and so we know that these events are going to happen you know the bible talks about the the fall of babylon being in one day talks about it being in one hour you know, and so what is the Bible doing here? Is the Bible contradicting itself? No, the Bible is saying that this is going to happen overnight, incredibly rapidly, in the blink of an eye. Right. That's what the Bible is trying to com- communicate right here. And so, yes, I did talk about, you know, what will elections be like in 20 years' time? And someone sent some big question marks through in relationship to that one. 20 years' time. Yeah, we're still going to be here in 20 years' time. <laughs> Seriously? Uh, and very validly so, because when you look at, you know, I think now we've seen COVID, we now have a demonstration of how quickly things can happen. Yeah, but today is the day of salvation. That's right. Right, so we need to get our lives right on track and allow ourselves to have that relationship with Jesus today because that's what it's all about, is that relationship with Jesus. For us as an individual, Jesus could come at any moment. Mm. Let's be ready for him to come. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.